Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GatorsBreak at Manscaped.com. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to GatorsBreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. All camp, first week is wrapping up here, and we've got a lot, a lot to get to here. In this episode of Gators Breakdown, we'll hear from Dan Mullen, we'll hear from David Turner, Hear from Antonio Valentino, Jacob Copeland. It's stacked episode, stacked episode right here. So uh, all within the last couple of days uh, here of uh, the press conferences here uh, after the practices. So plenty, plenty to get into. Some unfortunate news to get into that has been confirmed with Jaden Hill, uh, but also so just you know some good talk here as well uh, past that about where the team is at right now as they wrap up the first week of fall camp and heading in to week two. Everybody, if you don't mind, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're on YouTube, share that episode, share it on social media, Twitter, Facebook, however you like to share it. Uh, listen to it on your favorite podcast platform. If you don't watch the video version on YouTube and go join Gators Breakdown Plus at GatorsBreakdown.SupportingCast.FM. The link is right there in the description. There's a Q&A episode up there now. A lot of Gators Breakdown Plus members sent some questions in. I answered those questions. So that's the uh, exclusive Plus episode that is out there right now. So, all right, so let's get into it. When Dan Mullen met with the media on Thursday and confirming the unfortunate news that Jaden Hill, cornerback Jaden Hill, has gone down with an injury. Training camp's going pretty well, guys. Are, you know, we're still in the installation uh, phase of things right now. We're going to Continue to install through the weekend, and the plan is to have our first scrimmage on Sunday. Pretty good attitude. Guys working hard. Uh, we're over there at the rec fields and, uh, you know, getting out there, get that training camp mentality. has uh, been pretty good. Uh, kind of, you know, you get your normal bumps and bruises. Got a couple. Robert Carlson and, uh, is going to be out for the year with an ACL. Jaden Hill tore his ACL. He'll be out for the year. So 
very unfortunate uh, when you got to deal with with um, with injuries, uh, you know, and guys, and it's it's really a tragedy, you know, with the amount of work that these guys put in, how hard they put in. Both of them were non-contact injuries, and yeah, there we go. The unfortunate news and confirmed there by Dan Mullen. We had heard the uh, whispers and rumors earlier this week. I'll let you guys know that it was out there. A lot of you already knew it was out there, uh, so I couldn't ignore it. We did bring it up here on Gators Breakdown, but as I said, we would probably need to wait for Dan Mullen to meet with the media before we got official word from Florida that Jaden Hill did tear his ACL. It is the opposite knee, not the same one he tore in high school there. So the unfortunate, uh, for, unfortunate news, of course. We've kind of already discussed it here, but now it is confirmed. Uh, so now the Gators in that second cornerback spot's going to be a bigger battle. You know, Avery Helm is really stepping up uh, in the spring and, and fall camp so far. Jason Marshall, a five-star True freshman would definitely make his presence felt there. Uh, with, yeah, Jordan Young, uh, Ethan Pouncey, and two other guys that could be fighting for that that role, Dan Mullen said. So, you know, plenty of names there, uh, as we said, of course. But now guys are going to have uh, an extra opportunity. That's what Dan Mullen said as well. You know, there's a, there's a this is just another opportunity for somebody to come in here and prove themselves to take over that second cornerback spot opposite there, Kyrie Elam. So, you know, we'll see how it all uh, plays out. I've been I've been hearing really good things from Avery Helm. Uh, so far uh, in fall camp, you know, he's bulked up and he needed to get bigger as a, as a recruit. I remember seeing him on campus a couple of years ago uh, when we were all on campus for Friday Night Lights and, and, and practice starting for Florida, Miami in that week zero game. And Avery Helm was on campus and got to talk with him a little bit. And you could definitely see the the uh, the, the usefulness in him and, and needing to bulk up when he got on college campus. He's done that and, and definitely making his presence felt. I think it's a two man battle right now between him and, and Jason Marshall for that second cornerback spot. Uh, there, you, if you're a five star DB, you're going to play at Florida <laughs> more than likely as a true freshman because uh, most of the time you're, you're, you're good enough to. That's one position a lot of freshmen can come in and play right away uh, there. So, Jason Marshall, Avery Ham, I think it's going to be a really good battle for that second cornerback spot. Might be a rotation uh, when you see Florida line up uh, there versus FAU. Don't be surprised if you see one of those two guys there lining up opposite Kai Ear Elam. All right, and uh, Mullen was asked about uh, Emory Jones and his progress so far from spring and fall and what we've seen from him or what Dan Mullen has seen from him uh, this first week or so and you know what they're really working on him, working with him on right now. I think it's really getting into the more how to function, how to use the offense, um, you know, constantly on accuracy, balance, making all these different type of throws uh, that he needs to make, and then his comfort level into how to make plays and when to make plays. And we limit some of that in practice. You know, we'll be like, hey, uh, you have you have the freedom to you know to scramble today. There'll be days I won't give him as much. I won't give him freedom. Like you have got to stand in the pocket, um, you know. And then you you actually got to coach beyond that and say, hey, I, I hope you would have scrambled in this situation. They're just like, I mean, there's a huge running lane to go take advantage of it. But we we kind of give him a lot of different things, and so I think his grasp of the offense is really good. Uh, it's now it's it's getting him prepared in every situation how to be the best playmaker he can be. Getting him prepared in every situation. That's exactly what it is. We've only seen glimpses. We've only seen flashes of Emory, Zone, Emory Jones. Not a whole game, maybe a drive here or there, but you know, a lot of it was a play, get yanked. And I don't mean yank in a bad term. You know, come, come back to the bench and let somebody, uh, you let the starter go back out there, play a couple plays, a drive, uh, and come back out there 
or you know, go back to the bench. That's what we mostly have seen from Emory Jones. So now it's just about uh, a lot of situations. A lot of situations he won't be in until he plays a game, uh, but they can practice as much as they want to there. And I'm, uh, and I'm glad Dan Mullen brought it up. We brought this back up in the spring, and of course, when there was a lot of talk of Emory Jones maybe struggling, passing the ball, passing the ball in certain situations uh, there. And look, I was saying, look, you're going to hear some of that because – and Dan Mullen pretty much confirmed it right here. There's going to be times where they tell him he can't run. And he is going to have to stand in the pocket and throw. And, you know, a lot of that's going to lead to some uncomfortability. Uh, a lot of that's going to lead to some forced errors, some bad errors, you know, whatever. And, you know, but that's that's how he's going to learn, you know. And it doesn't do a defense any good uh, there to let uh, Emory, Emory Jones run uh, as a quarterback. Does it do the offensive line uh, much of any good, you know, if he can just take the ball down and run with it all the time in practice. You know, everybody needs the practice of, of, uh, of uh, throwing the ball. Uh, there with Emory Jones. The offensive line needs it. The backs need it. Emory Jones needs it. So that's how you're going to build an offense. If you can't just go out there and say, all right, we're just going to do whatever you're, you're, you're comfortable in doing, you know, the whole offense isn't going to grow uh, out of that. So you put you put him in different situations. That helps the offense in situations. You know, it helps the opposing defense in practicing uh, uh, as well. Uh, when, you know, Dan Mullen brought that up back in the spring as well, um, when, <laughs> how Emory Jones – uh, running ability, him just running doesn't really help uh, everybody uh, out there. You've got to help the whole team grow, and that's basically what you're seeing here with Emory Jones as well by saying, hey, you've got to stay in the pocket. You've got to grow as a passer. You've got to get more experience as a passer. We need to see the things that you can do. You know, it, we, we know you can run. It, it's a waste of snap if you drop back, scramble, scramble, and take off. It, it's a waste of snap it's a, if it's a, a, direct, a direct run. You know he can do that. He knows he can do that. The offensive line knows they can block for that. We need to see where you need to grow as a passer. And I, and I really like what Dan Mullen said there and brought that up as an example of, hey, you might hear of Emory Jones struggling or something like that, but there's a reason for it. And then we're going to take all this stuff, we're going to put it together, and we're going to see the, the, the passes he hits well. Passes he don't hit well. We'll work more on those, but at least we, we we have a baseline. We know where to start from. We know what he does well, and we'll go from there, and we'll build the offense around that. So uh, really, really good insight there from Dan Mullen on what they're working with for with Emory Jones right now. Next topic there was uh, it's one player that will help Emory up front uh, a little bit, possibly, uh, when, you're, when you're talking about the offensive line and that is center Kingsley Aguaken basically going to be inserting himself into a, a conversation from taking, uh, take, taking that center spot. Kingsley's really been a guy that, that has embraced it. You know, we've, we rotate – I mean, I think you saw it in spring. We rotate a lot of guys through because you got to have depth at that position. You know, that's uh, – just, you know, the other positions, you got to know assignment. you got to know how to block. There's an extra skill with the snap involved in that position, so you want to create depth. Uh, but he's a guy that's really kind of jumped and embraced that role. You know, I mean, he's a guy that's not – I'm not here getting reps. I'm not here preparing. Uh, you know, really, to me, his his approach starting last spring was I'm here to be the starting center. Uh, and, you know, I mean, has, has really approached it with that type of attitude and mindset. And, uh, you know, has uh, and it shows, you know, with the mental aspect, with everything that goes with it, with the leadership, you know, he's embraced everything that comes with being the center, wanting to go be the starter. Good to hear about an offensive lineman. We don't get to hear much about you know embracing everything that comes along with playing that center position and the leadership uh, that comes along with it as well. And he's going to be in that mix with Stuart Reese and Ethan White to an extent as well for that center position. I think uh, you go back to spring and probably how fall camp started and Stuart Reese was the one uh, at center, lining up at center. Uh, but I think in if it, this whole offensive line rotation 
I'm, I'm telling you, if if if, if Aguayan can prove he can play center, that might get that that might be able that that might be the way Florida gets their five best offensive linemen on the field. If you can, you know, the left side's pretty set. If you know Ethan White's not going to play center, I think it's easy. It's just building depth there. I think is why you see him maybe at times t- taking some uh, snaps there at center. I don't think he'll be the starter there because you got you got that last lat. Bleh, I can't talk. You got that left side pretty set. Richard Garage there on left tackle. Ethan White there left guard at center. You got Reese or Igwekin. If Igwekin takes that job, you slide Reese out back to right guard. And then what do you do at tackle? And I know what everybody wants to do out there. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to see Gene Delance out there, but he's going to be out there, guys. I think he's going to compete for that right tackle job. And I think if uh, Igwekin wins that center job, it slides Josh Braun out from right guard to right tackle in a battle with Gene DeLance. And everybody's going to say, well, that's the battle that he, he should win. We'll see. DeLance has got the experience. Uh, we'll see what the change in offense means for somebody like Gene DeLance. You've hear us, heard us talk about it plenty of times here uh, on Gators Breakdown where he is better in the run game than he is pass blocking. And we'll see what that means with this you know, shift in offense a little bit. Uh, but that, to me, Josh Bond going to be on the bench. I don't, I don't think so. Is Stuart Reese going to be on the bench in this style of offense? I really don't think so. So I think that bat, if Aguaken wins the center job, I think it uh, it affects the rest of the offensive line and what you do on that right side. And I'm, if he is playing center, I am very interested in seeing what happens there because we know the staff likes Gene Lance. He wouldn't be out there regardless, or they just don't feel any, any comfortable with anybody behind him. Maybe Josh Braun is that guy that quote-unquote, is in a battle with him, and then he takes over, and Gene Lance is the guy who fills in at right tackle. That's going to be interesting to watch if you see a Gwaken at center, is then who's playing right tackle? Because I really think Reese is the right guard in that situation. Maybe he's not. Maybe they keep Braun at right guard and DeLance at right tackle. That's the combo I don't see too much of in thinking about it. I think if a Gwaken wins that center job, you look for Reese at right guard and then see what happens with a battle at right tackle between Braun and DeLance. Something else that was brought up that we haven't gotten discussed, uh, good friend Nick DeLatore, I'm glad he asked it because I was going to ask if he didn't, <laughs> but uh, return specialists, and that's a, that's a topic uh, I know some of you have asked for uh, on uh, either in the YouTube comments or whether it be uh, on Twitter, social media, who's going to be returning kicks, who's going to be returning punts for the Gators. Uh, Dan Mullen uh, led some insight there. Finley, obviously, in coming out of high school, and everybody knew that, is that guy is kind of a very, very much a utility player, really a good football player, can return punts, can return kicks, uh, move him around a little bit defensively, is a guy that just has a real natural instinct for the ball. Um, obviously, in the, you know, the return games, uh, you know, he's up there big, trying to work DeMarcus Bowman in in that situation, the return kicks uh, for new guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think who else we got back there. We just really just started with kickoff return, so I haven't seen a lot of those guys do that punt returns. I mean, obviously you're gonna you got Xavier Henderson back there, you got Kyer Elam, uh, guys that have been back there in the past to go do that stuff as well. So um, we're just kind of working through those things with that. Um, Jamarcus Weston's a guy I'm really excited to see in a kickoff return role, possibly. I agree with Dan Mullen there, Jamarcus Weston in a possible kickoff return role when he called him one of the fastest players on the team. So that was that immediately came to my mind about Jamarcus Weston. He's behind a little bit on the wide receiver depth chart. Hopefully he can make his way up there as well. 
But if he's as fast as Dan Mullen says he is, then line him up a kick returner. You know, look, you're not returning many kicks. You know, in the, today's college football and player safety, I know we all want to put the the best players back there, and I have no problem with that either. But, I mean, it's uh, it, 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 there's not a lot of risk anymore in it because th- there's not that many kickoff returns anymore. Uh, the kicks are going at the back of the end zone a whole lot. So I'm okay with even putting Demarcus Bowman back there, who's another player I have actually thought about being put back there. I, I may have mentioned it back in the spring when we've discussed it um, as there as putting Bowman. When you got five running backs and you want to find a way to get the ball in an explosive player's hands, um, you know, Demarcus Bowman might be one of your top choices back there. Finley Graham, uh, return specialist in high school. We all remember that from Lakeland. Uh, played some defense as well, but uh, was really made a name for himself, kickoff punt return specialist. To me, if he can prove that he's anywhere close to what he did in high school from those positions, he's your kickoff He's your kickoff return specialist and your punt return specialist. So I, I don't mind Finley Graham being back there with what he showed in high school, the capability, uh, maybe a Brandon James type uh, in a different style. Don't give me they are a completely different style of – uh, what they bring to the table and their skill sets. Uh, but if he could be as effective as a Brandon James, you know, back in uh, Urban Meyer's days on special teams and a threat every time he touches the ball from a kickoff return or a punt return, that's hopefully what you can get from Finley Graham. Surprised he didn't mention Kyrie Elam uh, as a punt return specialist. Uh, Xavier Henderson, uh, he, he, of course, we did see that in glimpses last year too. For Kyrie, I think it's still more about, I think you trot him out there because you trust him and it's, hey, you're going to catch the ball in the right spot. You're not going to let the ball bounce away. You're not going to muff it and catch it more, more, more so than not. And you know, fair catch and let's you know put let's get the offense back there. You put him there because he's going to catch it. He's not going to make a mistake, and the offense is set and ready to go. So that's I, I don't think you see Kyrie Kyrie Elam back there a whole lot returning punts, but it is something worth watching. And if he is out there, I think it's more of a safety blanket more so than anything else. All right, before we get into David Turner, Antonio Valentino, and Jacob Copeland, support for Gators Breakdown is brought to you by Manscaped, the men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with, their, with this exclusive offer, 20% off and free shipping with code GATORSBREAK at manscaped.com. Shave with this sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time an easy time. I've used the lawnmower 3.0 for a couple years now. I'm blown away by the performance of the 4.0. The build and the details are next level and certainly an upgrade. Smoother, faster, better. This fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, Thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, no worries shaving below the waist with the 4.0. This new multi-function on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for people who like to travel. Also, you can turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave, wireless charging. And look, let's be honest, if you're still shaving your face and your body with the same trimmer, you're just doing it wrong. Single guys out there. Impress your next, you married guys out there. Impress the one you have with the lawnmower 4.0. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GatorsBreak at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use promo code GatorsBreak and get your free shipping 
20% off at manscaped.com. Get the lawnmower 4.0. All right, let's get into some more Gators talk here on Gators Breakdown. Man, David Turner brought some he brought some good stuff here uh, in talking about the defensive line uh, and what they are bringing to the table this year. Uh, but let's get into you know his thoughts on just a few of the defensive linemen that he's working with up front. Uh, the more he plays, the better he gets. He's got to worry about playing with better pad level, playing a little bit more high discipline, things like that. Yeah, let me uh, restart that one again. He's talking about Gervin Dexter uh, to start off with. So, uh, yeah, I, for, I forgot the, the, the soundbite started off that way, so it would be a little unclear. But he's talking about Gervin Dexter here uh, to start off with. Uh, the more he plays, the better he gets. He's got to worry about playing with better pad level, playing a little bit more high discipline, things like that. He's gotten himself stronger in the weight room. So he's still developing, um, and he's going to be a good player. And, and that's what he – well, he really wants to be a great player, but you got to be good before you can be great. And, and he's working towards that. And having them older guys in front of him kind of gives him a, another shoulder to lean on um, other than me. Zach's is, is proven to be a playmaker. Zach's a, a dependable guy. Zach's um, consistent. He's consistent in his practice habits. Um, that's what we always talk about, which makes him a consistent player. Uh, Zach, obviously, he has talent. Um, Zach's starting to understand the game more, understanding the offenses more, understanding what people are trying to do. So all of that makes him a more effective player. Zach um, spends time away from his study of football, study of technique, talking to different people, um, trying to expand his game. And, and that's where you start to see the biggest jump. You know, the game, you hear people talk about the game is slowed down. The game is slowed down for Zach now. Zach's playing big-time games. Zach's made big-time plays. The two transfer guys, Antonio and uh, Daquan, both are unique personalities, bring something older guys. Obviously, Antonio's played Big Ten ball. Uh, Daquan has played in the SEC. So you, you got some experienced guys. Um, you got some guys that's played in big-time ball games and big-time atmospheres. Um, and, and they were vital, I thought, for us and where we were in terms of uh, – some of the young guys, instead of being thrust into a starting role, uh, still being able to be a backup and kind of learn, uh, get their feet wet and learn uh, as they go. So David Turner there confirming pretty much something I said earlier this week, you know, getting those guys, getting those transfers really, really helps the younger guys. You don't have to thrust them out there before they're ready. You don't have to throw them out there where they can't develop. You throw it there when they're, when they're ready to play, when they don't have to play snap after snap after snap and go out there and play tired. You know, you can now work those guys in uh, because you brought in these two transfers here. Uh, for, of course, he started with Gervin Dexter, and there's just uh, – I, I like what he said about having the the uh, other players out there, the veteran players out there that he can lean on besides him because, you know, see Rob brought up earlier this week, you know, Brandon Spites coming on campus and how the linebackers can listen to him. You know, sometimes you, you just tune the coaches out. It, it's just a part of the business. It, it happens. You need to hear it from a different voice. So Gervin Dexter, or, you know, Jervon Dexter, got to say his name right, not Gervin, Jervon. So Jervon Dexter, <laughs> hopefully I'm still saying it right there. Uh, but Dexter, you know, being able to, 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 bring, to bring all the info from a Zach Carter, to bring info in from these two new transfers, and guys who's, like David Turner says, plays in big-time plays, played in big-time games, uh, add that to your arsenal. You got to learn. You learn along the way. That's what Jervon Dexter's doing. Uh, that's what we've heard all week. Uh, that he's he's got all the talent in the world, uh, but you just got to be able to put it together. So, 
really like what I heard uh, there from, um, from, from Turner and also with, with Carter uh, being able to, even before, you know, some of the other sound bites there for, from Turner, he was basically saying how Slayton and Carter were the only two consistent pieces on the defense last year. He was the only two that he could count on to be consistent up front. And now you saw the highlight this week. I hope, I hope a lot of you saw the highlight this week from, uh, I think it was, uh, uh, Florida showed it and then pro football retweeted it saying, you know, there was a move there by Zach Carter, uh, past Richard garage. And, you know, it was an, a, basically an elite move to get past, uh, the tackle there and get to the quarterback. Uh, Zach Carter, you know, showing some growth in his game really, really come on as, a, as the year, um, progressed last year when he could play more on that, you know, hand in the dirt defensive end role. Uh, if he can play more in that position because, you know, Florida has these two transfers, being able to, you know, be stout up front and play more in the natural positions, you know, Zach Carter brings a lot as far as leadership goes. Uh, and you know, Florida's defense didn't have a whole lot of that last year, and that's what we need to see. Uh, you see that from a consistency point, and you know, hopefully you see that just from a leadership. When things get tough, that Florida defense needs somebody to turn to. Not a lot of confidence there last year. They lost their confidence pretty early. Yeah, Zach Carter needs to be somebody up front that these guys can really rely on, learn from, and get a whole lot of uh, leadership qualities from uh, as well. So um, we'll move on to uh, this pass rush uh, up front and you know how it can help a young secondary in the eyes of David Turner. What kind of gets lost in the pass rush deal is you got to play great defense on first and second down to put people in third and long situations where you can get off the quarterback. So – you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the, the fancy, the fluff. Everybody talks about, you know, third down. But, yes, we gotta be, we got to be great on third down, but you got to be greater on first and second down to get people in those third down situations. So, um, you know, pass rush is great. I think our scheme and, and what we do on defense, uh, we can create mismatches with guys. But the, the biggest deal for us, and I always talk to the guys about it, hey, guys, we got to be great on first and second down. You know, to get to third and long, it's a whole lot easier to call defense when it's third and ten than when it's third and two. You know, and those are the things that we got to worry about is, hey, first and second down, we got to do a great job in the run game to get people to third down. And, and the young secondary, those guys are going to be fine. You know, it's, it takes 11 guys, and, 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 and that's what we're, we're constantly preaching. You got to rush, uh, you got to coverage, and we got we to gotta make sure that we harass them when we have those opportunities uh, to get after the quarterback. We're getting after the quarterback, and – and not letting them get comfortable back there. So those are the things that we worry about, things that we can control that we're always talking about and trying to get better at. Now, I know he talks a lot about third down there, and that's going to be a joke for a lot of you there. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how the down and distance on third – or it doesn't matter the distance on third down. Uh, Todd Grantham's defense finds a way to give it up anyway. You know, but he's right. And last year there were a lot of third and shorts. Um, it, what you do on first and second down – Absolutely, it, it, it helps. And, you know, there was a lot of third and shorts that turned into fourth and shorts um, that, you know, the, the, the opposing offense converted. Well, maybe you got them in more third and long situations and it helps out. And look, we, we know the third down joke and everything, but in, in, in general football acumen, in general football, the way you play the game, he's right. You know, you play better on first and second down. Most of the time your third down defense is better as well. I know it's a, a sticking point for, for, for Gators fans and Todd Grantham. Uh, Got to get better there. Got to get better in situational football. Uh, but in general terms, he's right. You know, you do better first and second down. It sets you up third and long, and you can get to the quarterback. You know, Todd Grantham still, even last year, when as bad as the defense was, still second in the SEC in sacks, I believe, behind Alabama. 
So, you know, still getting to the quarterback is not necessarily an issue. It's just more about the situational football. What do you do in a, in a critical third down? Look, they all become critical uh, when, you're, when your defense is pretty bad. But, you know, a third down in the third quarter, third down in the fourth quarter, what do you do in a situational football? What do you do on a, on a third down when the team crosses the 50-yard line? Can you, you know, can you back them up a little bit more to make them force a punt and not keep driving down the field and eventually kick a field goal or score a, a touchdown? So it's a lot of situational football here. But he's right. You, you, the, the, the pass rush up front and, and run defense up front, you know, got to be better on first and second down. You know, Florida got gashed on time at, at times on, on the ground because they didn't have a, a, um, a stout defense up front. And, you know, first, second down teams will gain a whole lot of yards and make third down a whole lot easier. Well, hopefully, you know, you get them in a third and long situation. The defense plays a little bit better. Uh, with with some pass rushers you have there, I want to go back. You know, speaking of pass rushers and speaking of third down, uh, David Turner brought up Princely. Uh, make sure I'm trying to say his name. Human Milan. That's his way. I'm, I'm going to say it. He did pronounce it uh, there. I'm pretty close. I think I'm off just by a hair on uh, on pronouncing Princely's uh, last name there. But uh, he said he needs to work with Savage to become an every down player, not just a third down player. He's like he he possesses really good pass rushing skills. He's a really good third down player, uh, but he needs to get with Nick Savage to bulk up a bit so he can play every down, you know, set the edge better, be able to defend the run a bit better. Uh, and, you know, he brought also brought up working with Nick Savage to big Des Watson, uh, two guys here that needs to work, that need to work with Nick Savage for completely opposite reasons. Desmond Watson's flashes um, a whole lot of speed for his size, but he can't play a whole lot at that size the conditioning's got to get better he's got to lose some of the weight get 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 game ready get game weight on uh and that's where desmond watson can make his big impact being every down player because you you're playing out of weight that you can actually play at down over down over down and not the, the weight that he's currently at he, you know, he can go flash for a player too but he's got to go come off the field because of uh, a lack of conditioning uh because of the the, the quote-unquote bad weight there for Desmond watson so two players there to watch out on this defensive front from that need to work with nick savage for a couple of different reasons uh, and that was coming from david turner uh there so look the next player we get to hear from in, in, in a really fun interview was uh antonio valentino uh and a lot of people know him as antonio shelton but he did change his name uh, here, but let's get into his story of why he chose Florida. All SEC bias and everything that they talk about in this conference is 100% accurate. It's 110% accurate, and I haven't even played an SEC game yet. Just the, the structure of practice, um, the different level of football, uh, specifically speaking in the defense, it's, you know, we can play multiple fronts and everything like that in one single series. Um, so as far as you know, my transition, I think it was, um, it's been it's been fairly, uh, it's been what I expected. It's been uh, difficult in certain aspects, but overall, I've been very happy uh, with my decision to come here. I'm very thankful for Coach Mullen, Coach Grantham, and Coach T, giving me an opportunity to come down here. And as far as why I came down here specifically. Um, when I spoke to Coach Turner and Coach Mullen, um, the thing that I respected the most out of what they told me was it wasn't, hey, man, you're going to come in here and be a star. You can do X, Y, and Z. You know what I'm saying? It was, hey, man, we got a need at your position. We like the way you play football. We think you can help us win some games. Um, you know, come be a part of something great if that's what you're interested in. And, you know, I was 
I thought about it. It was a very easy decision. Very easy decision there. And, and I'm glad him and Newkirk both uh, kind of spoke to the, look, we're not promising. You know, they're not getting promises, but there's an opportunity here at Florida to come in at a, at a defensive tackle, defensive lineman role uh, to come make a name for yourself. You know, they need, Florida did need the help there, but you're not guaranteed anything. You got to come work for it. Uh, but the conversation was had uh, that there's a great opportunity here. And absolutely, uh, there's a great opportunity. And I, I like the way Bo Transfer spoke on that. Of no, look, not, It's not going to be given to you. You got to come work for it. Uh, but uh, I think um, a good addition here uh, from Valentino, a really good story uh, of how he ended up here and just the honesty uh, from the coaching staff. And look, I think that honesty works. We, 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 um, we question high school recruiting all the time here and if it's good enough, but we still, we, I, we can barely question Dan Mullen and his coaching staff transfer portal recruiting. And I think it really speaks to matured players, veteran players. Um, when you see the track record Dan Mullen's had, uh, his record for development, and I think that speaks like once you get past the uh, the whining and dining of of high school recruiting, and the guys have a realization of if I want to get to the next level, I need to be developed, and then they start looking around for a staff that develops. That's why I think Dan Mullen has done so well in the transfer portal with the older players out there in the transfer portal who can come contribute uh, right away. So. When you hear that from Newkirk, you hear that from Shelton, and we've seen it from Grenard, we've seen it from Jefferson, we've seen it from a whole lot of transfers to be able to hear contribute and then go on uh, to the NFL, either be a high draft pick or already in, in, you know, in, in the first couple of years, go out and prove yourself to be uh, a pretty good player in the NFL. So you can see why the transfer portal has been successful for Dan Mullen when you hear from Antonio Valentino and Dequan Newkirk. All right, let's go to on the field now for Antonio Valentino uh, in a comparison that he sees himself in uh, from last year's Gator team. I think, to be honest with you, uh, what I spend a lot of time on, I watch a lot of film on TJ um, because I think our, our play styles are pretty similar, and I think that TJ was very good at his techniques. Um, you know, TJ was one of those players where, you know, obviously he made plays and he got drafted pretty fairly high. He made his plays when he had to make them, but – where I think where TJ and where Coach T said TJ make like made majority of his money from, so to speak, is causing disruption. You know, TJ wouldn't make the play, but he would make the play. Like if they're zoning to his side, he would stick his foot in the ground and make that um, make the running back have to cut back where the rest of the defense is. So um, I think I can do things similar to that. It's just still getting comfortable um, 100% within the playbook. And, you know, anticipating things before they happen and knowing how to react to certain things. Red got dancing feet, man. We call him Red. Uh, Red got dancing feet, to be honest with you. Um, I guess he played running back back in the day and then he got fat. And now he's playing <laughs> now he's playing D-tackle. But Red got dancing feet, man. He's got it, it, Y'all see his, his feet are pretty ridiculous, to be honest with you. Javon Dexter is going to be a problem. <laughs> like, I'm not saying this just because he's my teammate, the guys he's up or nothing like that. Javon Dexter is going to be a problem. Once everything, once he figures everything out and he, like, you know, really knows how to play football because it's like G got here off of, you know, his potential and he's a freak athlete. And obviously, you know what I'm saying, coaches saw something in him. They're like, hey, we can coach this guy, teach him how to play ball. But once he actually figures out how to be like an actual, like a real, for real, for real football player and understand how the game flows and works and all that type of stuff, it's over with. It's over with. Somebody's going to pay Javon Dexter uh, uh, millions of dollars to go play football someday. 
Man, tell you what, you like hearing that from from Valentino about your Dervon Dexter. We've heard it from Newkirk as well. Everybody screams at the potential of Dexter. I think impressed with the way he's carried himself. Uh, so you know, so far early in his just football career, not only in his Florida career, but early in his football career, everybody sees the potential. Everybody's like, hey, all he's got to do is just learn football. He's got to learn the game of football. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the potential. And uh, David Turner even said now, uh, in speaking about uh, Dervon Dexter himself, like potential is a scary word. Means you haven't done. Means you haven't done it yet. And that, that's absolutely true. But we saw signs last year. We saw building blocks for Jerron Dexter. And now you see his teammates talk him up in a lot of the same ways we talk him up as, as fans of the school of like, hey, this highly skilled, highly leveled recruit, you can see it. You actually see the potential. Now he's just got to untap it, learn the game of football. And that's Valentino said that about himself too. In red, he's talking about his, uh, his new Kirk. So uh, you can see that I think the bond those two guys have uh, already coming in together as transfers. You know, they probably made an instant connection coming into Florida as two transfers and two transfers that really need to be counted on uh, for this defensive front to be as good as it possibly can be. And now, you know, Valentino uh, also talking about and going back and looking at to, to Daryl Slayton, David Turner saying he was one of the more consistent pieces on this defense. Now seeing how he plays, this is how you kind of need to play as well. And you talk, and you heard him about the technique of how to put a foot down and and make you know the the, the opposing offense. You or you know him put a him putting a foot getting getting in the backfield, putting a foot down, and disrupting an offense, uh, and you know shifting the play to other defenders and letting them make the play. Uh, those are the little things defensive tackles do. You you don't rack up a whole lot of tackles, especially in today's college football with the, the pass happy attacks and and running sideline to sideline. Your defensive tackles aren't necessarily going to rack up a whole a, a whole bunch of uh, tackle numbers and sack numbers, but you they can be disruptors. So a lot of other people can. Uh, and, and, you know, if you can get a pass rush up the middle as well, especially on quarterbacks that uh, aren't mobile and can't really get away from it, then, you know, you, you got a pretty good piece there. So, you know, I, I know a lot of people may be disappointed by, you know, TJ Slayton and, and, and when you look at numbers and stuff, but, I mean, he's already impressing in NFL camp. I think he's playing for the Packers, if I believe, right, and, uh, and making plays early on uh, for, for the Packers. And, you know, he was a, a piece that was kind of overlooked last year, um, just kind of the nature of playing that defensive tackle position. I'm not going to sit here and say he was some elite player out there and we just overlooked an elite player. And he was a good player, and he did what he was supposed to. And you know, they're showing tape of him uh, to Valentino to make sure, hey, this is this is how we need you to play in this defense. Uh, so you get two guys, hopefully, and Dexter as well, three guys who can do a lot of those similar things uh, and be just disruption, be pure havoc creators from that defensive tackle, defensive line position, and then the Gators uh, defense. You know, It starts right there to me. I've said it over and over again. I love the makeup of these guys. You know, it, it, the, the comparison to Jonathan Gennards have come up. Uh, as far as leadership goes and, and, and qualities. Uh, and, you know, hopefully it's something like that with these two transfers. Uh, we've got to hear from them this week. They, I think they bring a lot of personality, a lot of you know, leadership uh, already uh, to this team. So if they can come in be the instant impact leaders, the instant impact players uh, that Todd Grantham says they can be and what they you – know, 
you can tell a little bit by how guys approach themselves in, in, in press conferences as well. You know, easily approachable um, communication. I think you can tell a little bit uh, about as well. Uh, both of those guys did well in that regard. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully uh, you know, this is just a glimpse from these guys. And when the season rolls around, uh, they're part of a, a rotation up there up front that, uh, you know, is reminiscent of something like what Jonathan Grenard uh, brought to the t- table as far as the impact player. Uh, we get to hear from now Jacob Copeland. Uh, heard from defense uh, here, here, here the last few minutes here on Gators Breakdown. But let's get to Jacob Copeland and earning that number one jersey. It's a real big privilege, and I feel like I, uh, I'm going to be accountable for everything that comes with the uh, number. But uh, as we talked before, uh, a couple months ago, when he had gave me the call and uh, gave me the number, he was like, you know what, come behind that number and uh, the responsibilities and things. So I said, yes, sir. And then after that, we just moved on and I took the number. And my mindset been changed and I've been real high on everything right now. So feeling good about everything going into the season. Going into the season, feeling good, wearing that number one. Now, look, I hope even if Jacob Club didn't change his number, I hope whatever production and, and rise in production that I expect from him, whether he's wearing 15, whether he's number wearing number one, would have happened regardless. <laughs> you know, he's not going to be a better player just because he's wearing number one. <laughs> so, I don't – you know – Kadarius Tony didn't get better last year because he switched his number to, some, to number one. You know that production was going to be there regardless. But it is, uh, it, it is a badge of honor uh, for the University of Florida in that playmaking number one position, that highly coveted number one. Uh, and look, he even said there's a there's a conversation that comes with the head coach about wearing that number one, what it means, the responsibilities that you have. Uh, and look, well, hopefully we see a jump in production like we saw from Kadarius Tony. We wondered and we wondered and we wondered what could we get from Kadarius Tony. And I think a lot of that wondering kind of goes towards Jacob Copeland as well. He had to sit behind some veteran receivers uh, for a couple of years. So um, it's just the way Dan Mullen's offense works uh, in a way. It takes a while. Uh, you know, veteran players, it's veteran veteran heavy uh, this offense the last couple of years. Uh, so Jacob Cup has been behind a few guys, guys that are playing in the NFL, guys that got drafted to go to the NFL, and now it's his turn to go show uh, what, what, what he's got. So, you know, hopefully we do see the jumping, uh, the, the top of jumping production we saw from Kadarius Tony last year. We get that kind of same type of production uh, from Jacob Copeland. But, yeah, and, and part of that goes to understanding the game more uh, and look, he, he gave a pretty good answer of uh, where he's getting help out, where he's getting help out in understanding the game of football. At first I was young, so I ain't understand the development part of what Mullen had going on and the whole purpose of it. But as I got older and seen what it all took to play in college ball and play up under him, it's just what was a good thing that I took in and like and just laid that off with my younger receivers. And now as they come along, they catch on slowly and learn the process of what this game all about. He always preached that. He gonna tell you that at all the time. Like, your time might not be now, it might be a week from now, it might be a year from now, two years from now. It's all come down to when you gonna be ready for you, when your uh, time be called. Uh, the older receivers always kept me motivated. Uh, and we built a good relationship, good bond over the time since I've been here. They taught me the game, like, as I was younger head. And now that, now I'm in their position here. So I just lead off on that and just like keep it going type deal. But I just always, at, at the end of the day, y'all got to remain focused at all times and uh, achieve what you got to do. My old receiver core, 
uh, they always, like I said, they always kept me motivated. I actually spoke with all of them yesterday, last night at that, uh, talking to me about camp, make sure everything right, make sure my mindset ready to go into this season. And uh, let me know that you got to stay focused because it's, cause it's a big year ahead of me. Big year ahead of Jacob Copeland for sure. And look, I think it's a pretty cool aspect that he's sitting here talking to receivers while he's in camp and while those same receivers are in NFL camps. Uh, and just kind of the bond that he's been able to create uh, with some of his receivers. Now, I know a lot of people look at Jacob Copeland's social media uh, presence in the last couple of years. They've always wondered, wow, what's going on with Copeland? What's going on with Copeland? Is he happy? Is he not happy? I th- I've always thought that was taken too much at at a context. You, you, he's a college kid. You have no idea what they're tweeting about. It doesn't always have to be about football. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I've, I've always looked at it in that regard. And I ain't saying it couldn't have been about football. It absolutely could have been. Uh, but, you know, it, it's his turn. And I know there's a lot of patience that goes that goes along with it. Uh, you know, he's he came in as a highly heralded recruit. We all remember he commits to Florida his, his, over Alabama. and His mom walks away when he's making that commitment. Uh, you know, we've, we've expected some big things from Jacob Copeland, one of Dan Mullen's top recruits uh, since he's been here. So uh, a, a playmaker uh, on the field that I think he will show this year. And from all, all, all reports uh, so far, he's been the best receiver out there on the field for the Gators, making plays down the field uh, for the Gators. We've Go back on. I wish I had it pulled up here, but I know there's a there's a string of pictures of him making uh, a falling you know falling back catch, almost having to catch the ball with his with his fingertips. He goes down, makes the catch, and you know, it, it, I mean, if you can piece the images together, you can kind of see the catch that Jacob Copeland was making there. Uh, so look for him to be receiver one, wide receiver one, wearing that number one. Uh, and I think Jacob Copeland's going to go out there and, and prove that you know he's. It may have taken a little while longer than we've expected, but go out there and prove that he is uh, one of the top receivers for Florida and one of the top receivers in the SEC. But look, we get this question every year. We get the question every year since Dan Mullen's been at Florida. What are you going to do? How are you going to replace those wide receivers? And you know, going from mainly from, you know, 2019 to 2020 and now 2020 to 2021. Those are, that's the question we have gotten every preseason. And now we're getting it again. Uh, and, you know, Jacob Copeland has, has some pretty good thoughts uh, about that. I don't too much get into that because I know I got a great receiver coach. Coach Betty G going to work us to death for sure. He going to always make sure everybody on the same page. He going to push you to your limits. And uh, as long as I got him in my cone, I feel like I'm going to be good this year. So everything – uh, auto receiver core at, at that. For sure, I'm very confident in everybody. Since I got Billy G, Billy G on the side, I feel good about everything. I feel like he's the best coach in the country. I feel like I'm one of the, the most physical, strongest receivers in the country. Well, if not one, of, I am the strongest receiver in the country, I feel. But uh, no, I ain't, I ain't too much calling to all that because at the same time, being the strongest don't always relate to the field. So you got to have field coordination and everything that'll translate with the weight room type deal. There we go. Jacob Copeland knows he's, he's got to be more just a stronger receiver out there, but you see him and he is, he is rock solid. <laughs> he is built up uh, there. He is, he's chiseled, he's cut. I mean, he, he looks like, uh, I mean, he looks like what you want a wide receiver to look like, look at. And yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to go back and look, but he might even be for as strong and as physical as he, physical as he looks, he might be the shortest receiver out there. If I'm not mistaken, when you look at it, compare him to shorter and Henderson and Whittemore Weston, 
um, and, and that. I could be a little off on that, but I know you know he's not as tall as those guys. Uh, and you know, not every receiver for Florida needs to be six four, six five, six six. That's not what not what I'm saying here. Uh, you, you need a guy that I think like a Jacob Copeland, who's just uh, not really a bowling ball, but just a uh, a stock of muscle uh, going out there that wide receiver position, a physical presence there at that wide receiver position. And for what that means for me is get the ball in his hands close to the first down marker in, in certain situations. And, you know, he's, he's got to go fight. He's got to go use that strength uh, to, to be uh, that, that type of receiver, go convert that first down. Uh, and that's what that type of uh, build that he brings to the table. That's, you know, what you're going to be looking at him for fight for extra yards, break tackles. You know, if you're running down the field and the guy catches up to you, you got to use that strength to go break a tackle and, and make an even bigger play or, when the guy is right on, we saw the one-handed catch from him on the Instagram live video the other day. But if there's, you know, if, if there's a receiver on your hip, and as soon as you catch the ball, he's trying to bring you down or trying to pop you, you know, use that strength to your advantage and make a bigger play out of it. So I think that's the type of play I'm looking for, uh, for, for from Jacob Copeland and being coached by Billy Gonzalez. You right there, you can tell the reputation he has among his players. Got the best wide receiver coach in the country. They absolutely should think that, you know, besides Alabama out there, what Florida's done in putting receivers in the league is remarkable. You know, pretty much only Alabama can sit here and say they've done better the last couple of years of what they've done about putting pass catchers in the NFL. You know, Billy Gonzalez deserves a whole lot of kudos and Jacob Copeland looks like he notices that uh, as well. Last little thought here from Jacob Copeland and how it's different in playing with a quarterback like Emory Jones, who brings some more ability uh, more mobility to the table, more so than a quarterback like Kyle Trask. Like Coach Mullen always say, uh, we got some very athletic quarterbacks. So when things not going right during that play, just stay on the run at all times because they liable to do anything and liable to make any type of play out of nothing. Stay on the run. Make sure you block. Run back to the quarterback if you have to. Make yourself a target. Even when the play's breaking down, Find you know, run, find find a zone, sit down in the zone. Uh, you know, you, those are the things that are going to change this year with this offense and keeping plays alive. And the wide receivers are going to be huge in that. Whether it's making one extra block and springing Emory Jones for an even longer run, or you know, sitting down in the zone while Emory Jones tries to find his way uh, to, <laughs> through through some defenders, uh, trying to take his head off. Uh, and uh, I just think that's a big part of this offense that uh, these receivers have to get used to. And I, I believe I asked Dan Mullen about that in the spring, uh, about you know how it is different for everybody when you have a mobile quarterback, what, how that changes the offensive line and what they do, maybe having to hold their blocks a little longer, um, receivers having to fight back toward the ball. You know, you're going to run a route, and if that ball isn't thrown in a certain amount of time, you're going to be turning around and looking and seeing what Henry Jones is doing and what you have to do uh, to help your quarterback out. So that's a, a difference that uh, we necessarily haven't had to see the last couple of years with Kyle Trask and uh, his mobility. We get that now with Henry Jones to keep him plays alive, and then wide receivers are going to have to be able to help Henry Jones keep plays alive as well. All right, there we go. A lot, a lot as Florida wraps up week one of can't we get to hear from the head man himself, Dan Mullen, David Turner, Antonio Valentino, Jacob Copeland. Really, really good stuff there to keep the uh, conversation uh, going here as we hit past the first week and about three weeks till the season kicks off. I know we're all ready for it. And we're all ready to, to, to get together in Gainesville, in the swamp, tailgate, do we or the boys. You can tell I'm excited. I'm ready for some football.
Let's go. <laughs> I am ready for some football, uh, especially doing all these episodes. I think you can tell, too. Like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm wanting to talk some football. Let's go. We finally got some football, and you've been able to uh, follow along here on Gators Breakdown with a lot of episodes uh, the last few weeks. So I hope you all are enjoying the content out there that we've been putting out the last few days. Go join Gators Breakdown Plus for even more out there. Chats, extra episodes, you know, starting at 3 bucks a month. A lot, a lot going there. Got some special things planned for the season, of course, as well, that are only going to be available to get its Breakdown Plus members. I'll share that uh, as we get uh, as we get closer to the season. But all right, everybody, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out here on Gators Breakdown. I am your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.